0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a moment to pray. How about that? So, Lord, as we hear and see and witness, this is an a unusual time. And Lord, we are here for a reason. We are in this phase and this age of the earth and of your plan for a reason, and for such a time as this, you've called us to be your ambassadors and representatives. And Lord, we stand on the shoulders of many of people's blood that they've given for the church. They've given uh, for you, I should say, but the universal church of believers in Jesus Christ. And, and for that, Lord, we have so many heroes of faith, that have shown themselves strong on your behalf. I pray that you would strengthen us, and I pray that what we see would just make us very sober about our lives and about what we're doing and what we're investing in and our time and our energy. Uh, Lord, forgive us of our complacency, and thank you, Lord, that we do have safety now. And thank you, Lord, that... um, We currently have a constitution and that we have the ability to meet. We have freedom. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that we would continue to be able to operate like that. But Lord, your will be done. I do pray that the events in Israel would draw the Jews to faith in Christ. I know that's going to happen as your word tells us. I pray that. There would be many in Israel. I pray for fruitfulness for the ministry of Pastor Brian as he ministers there. I pray for protection and safety. I pray for the Armenians. I pray that they would call out to you, Lord, that you would be their Savior, that you would be their physical Savior as well as their spiritual Savior. I pray that you would protect them. I pray that there would be divine intervention as you have always done with the Jews. I pray uh, for, for their faith to emerge through this. I pray, Lord, for us. You tell us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So we, we weep with them, Lord. And We ask that you would move. Help us to not get caught up in the evil, but return evil with good, And help us, Lord, to be led by the Spirit in these times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so we are actually going to get into the Word tonight, and I think it's very appropriate for what we've been talking about. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at now we'll see how far we get, but we'll we'll start looking at something that the Apostle Paul realized and knew regarding this church. You remember, this church was known as a carnal church, a fleshly church. This was a church that was driven by their own desires. They were Selfish, self-centered, prideful, confident in themselves, not dependent on God. They had trouble with sexual immorality. They had trouble with suing one another. They had trouble with divisions and strife and Christian liberties they were using, although they had knowledge, their knowledge made them proud, they weren't loving one another, they were trampling over one another. At communion, they were cutting in line, so they got all the food, so somebody else didn't get all the food. I was watching you guys on our chili cook-off to see who was doing that. Yeah. Thankfully, everybody was good taking your turns, so it's good to know that. But now in uh, chapter 12... Notice what Paul says in verse 1. He says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, it's interesting that he would address this. When he says, now concerning, he's starting a new topic. That's something that we've seen him say, a phrase he has been saying when he's starting a new topic. But he's probably answering a question that they had as well. And when they're carnal, that means they're, they're fleshly. So now, imagine doing spiritual things in a fleshly manner. Seems kind of weird, right? But that's why he's saying, look, I don't want you to be ignorant. When it says spiritual gifts, you might notice gifts is in italics, in your Bible, because that wasn't there original. Originally, it should say, "I don't want you to be ignorant of spirituals or of spiritual things." Now, if if our church was not led by the Holy Spirit, we would be dead in the water. If you personally are not living out your life in the spirit, but you're doing it in the flesh. Even as a Christian, you're a, a dead duck. You're a lame duck. You're like a, a ship in the middle of the ocean without its engine. You're just you're stuck. You're dead. You're dead in the water. And it's so important because individually we're so dependent on one another as believers, we're so interconnected. It's so important that we're all understanding how important it is that we are to live by the Spirit. Most of, if not all, the problems that that we will get into, whether it's individually or in our families or in the body of Christ, it's all because... We're fighting against the flesh. We're, we're striving or someone is, is looking to push their own agenda or there's pride and, and it just causes division. And that's what Satan wants to do. So the unity of the church happens in the spirit. There will be no unity if we're striving in the flesh. And don't make the mistake to think that if we as a church accomplish a lot or get a lot done don't make the mistake to think that that necessarily means that this is a church that is empowered and walking in the spirit because it is possible to accomplish a lot in the flesh in the church and say it's led by the spirit but in reality it's man's work and it's being labeled a work of god And that's something that is common in the Bible. So it's important to me, it's important to the leadership here, it's important to you that we are all led by the Spirit. Otherwise, we're dead in the water. Otherwise, we will not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Otherwise, we will implode from inside out. That's what Satan wants. So that's why Paul now gets to the point where he's saying, hey, look, I've been addressing all these issues, and now you you need to understand it, it all comes back to this issue. And that's the divisions that are happening are because you are not led by the Spirit. So the way Paul talks about this suggests that this was something that he talked about when he was there. And yet it is so easy to know about the things of the Spirit, but then not to actually walk in the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit is the only way a church can flourish and the only way an individual can flourish. And so we all individually have to ask ourselves, are we walking and living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we even know what that means? It's common for somebody to, I like to compare it to running on fumes. So they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, but they're running on some experience that they've had in the past with God. And because of that, they're just kind of sputtering along. There's no joy, there's no peace. Most importantly, there's no love. It's just a fleshly striving and something that's no different than the world. And that when a church gets like that, it's dead in the water. It's just existing. It's just, uh, like I said before, it's like a, a ship with an engine that's not running. And so I hope that as we look at this the next couple weeks, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, That we'll be open to, first of all, where we're at in regards to the things of the Spirit. And that we would want all that God has for us. Does all that God has for us, is that being actualized in our life? The children of Israel, when they were given to the the Promised Land they didn't at their height they took about a tenth of all that god had for them so i want to be a person that i'm possessing all that god has for me as much as little as that is but i just want to make sure sort of like your phones i want to be on full charge how is how does it feel when your phone is 1% You panic. Imagine if you right now, your phone's on 1%. That's all you're thinking about right now. Because it's so important to you. But how about the Spirit? You on, are you a one percenter on the Spirit? You want to be full charge. Do some of you, when you're like, you get down to 90, you plug it in? Because it's like you want 100. You want triple digit. So Paul's saying, hey, I don't want you to be ignorant. So part of this is just understanding, having knowledge, having the information about it. And they had the information because, because he, he's talking about things that they would have known. So they had the information. So somehow they, they got in the flesh, even though they had the information. So notice this, in verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. He's comparing their past to help them remember and understand that following the Spirit of Christ is different than the past and you can't bring your past ways of following pagan gods into your new relationship with God. And he's saying they were led. And notice the the word, they're carried away. And they were led. That suggests a certain power. They were carried away, right? So that says that there's something carrying them some force moving them, and they were led. So, the way that they worship these false idols, that they had a, a certain power behind it that was leading them to do that. And, and Paul is saying, don't do what you were doing before, now, and carry that over into your new relationship with God. So that. That's like us when we try to live our Christian life according to our understanding of things that have worked for us in the past. Maybe uh, we went through school and we had a certain way we got through school or a certain way we climbed up the corporate ladder or a certain way we tackled problems and things in life. And he's saying you, you can't, substitute something of the world for the Holy Spirit. Don't have any substitutes. Fully and completely allow the Holy Spirit to direct and dictate your life. So in verse 3, he says, Therefore, I make known to you. So I want you to know this now. You're ignorant about this. Now I want to tell you something that no one speaking by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? So he's giving them sort of a test in their worship. He's giving them a, a principle. And the a principle is, when the Holy Spirit is working and active in one's life, it's going to glorify Jesus. It's going to give Jesus praise, adoration, accolades. It's going to lead us to depend on Him, to trust Him, to glorify Him. And within your personal walk or in your corporate worship if that's not happening then that's not the holy spirit if man is being glorified so it's possible in their in their meetings they were actually cursing god but it, it's more of a general principle in that god when the holy spirit's moving he will be the center not man He will be glorified. People will be built up in Him. Their focus would be off them. And so you can kind of get that a lot of the hyper-charismatic movements, they really focus on people and men. And that's not correct. The Holy Spirit doesn't even draw attention to Himself. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And he's saying that's how you know. And if the Holy Spirit's working, not only will he be glorified and you won't be accursing him or you won't be doing things that are ridiculous and make him look terrible, like that movement of barking like animals and flopping around like a fish on the ground and things like that but also that you will give him the lordship or the headship over what's going on. So so it basically is a a thing that's controlled by God and glorifying God. There's no substitutes. Be careful of calling something the Holy Spirit when it's really just your own thing. In order for the Holy Spirit to work, which... Is normal and natural. It's not something we have to whip up and do some extra stuff stuff. That's what God wants to do in the believer's life normally. It's not an extra thing, it's a normal thing. So make sure you're you're not supplanting the Holy Spirit by embracing other things that are doing what the Holy Spirit should be doing. So that can mean programs, that a lot of times churches bring in programs and they're relying on the program to accomplish something in the church instead of the Holy Spirit. It could be a a building campaign where you're trusting in people when you plead with them enough to give enough money so that you can build a building. It could be um, saying that we trust in the Holy Spirit, but... Now you're going into worldly philosophies and ideologies to try to explain the gospel to people and things like that. And you start to understand that, you'll be able to pick them out. You'll be, see, you'll be able to see a lot of these things going on. So then he says in verse 4, he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, Holy Spirit. So that's very helpful because what we're learning is that when the Holy Spirit is working in an individual's life, it's not going to look the same in another individual's life. There's diversity, but then that diversity has a unity to it. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is alive when the people are alive. The people are alive when the Holy Spirit is surrendered to and the Holy Spirit is working, empowering that individual. And that individual then is exercising what God has given that individual. What is He calling What God gives to an individual. Notice that in verse 4. Diversities of what? Gifts. That sounds good, right? A gift. That means when you and I got saved, not only are we written in the Lamb's Book of Life, our sins are forgiven, And all that goes with that. But then he says, here's a gift for you as you live your life on earth. And that gift, that word gift, is charisma, where we get the word grace. That means God gave you a gift of His grace. Something special For you, individually, and me, individually. Something that's unique to me, although there are different categories of gifts, each individual, then the expression of that gift is a little different and unique and needed for the whole body of Christ. So, let's take a moment To travel to First Peter Chapter Four. This will be very helpful for us. First Peter Chapter Four. Verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, why is that significant? Peter tells us, everyone, every, and he's talking to Christians. Every Christian has a spiritual gift, and this spiritual gift that we have is the most exciting thing about being a Christian on earth for us. The gift that he that we have. He tells us the purpose of it is to minister it to one another. That means our gifts that God gives us are primarily to be used in the body of Christ. Our gifts are given to us by God so that we will be good stewards. That means we take care of them. And as we do that, and how do we take care of them? We use them. And as we use them, other people are blessed, edified, and built up in their faith because of our exercising of our gift. Now, here's what's amazing. We are so dependent on one another. He made the body of Christ like this. He made it so that you and I would be unable to fully apprehend all that God has apprehended us in a silo or isolated Christian existence. Whenever we sense a desire to isolate ourselves or to withdraw from the body of Christ, you have to know that Satan doing that. He wants to isolate us. Because when we become isolated, then we're not building up the body of Christ. So that's one thing. Other people are going to lose out because of our selfishness to withdraw from the body of Christ. And ourselves personally will never grow into the full believer that God wants us to be. So we have a responsibility to use that gift. And at this point, a lot of times, people will say, I don't know what my gift is. And you you know what? If you do something in the body of Christ, you'll discover what your gift is. If you're waiting to be zapped with a lightning bolt of His gift explanation to you, you won't find your gift. When we get saved, we all have the gift of serving God. So serve God. And don't care about what it is. And as you serve God, you'll be able to uh, discover the things that you seem to really ignite in. Really launch. There's something you start doing and it's just, you start launching. You're like, oh, I just love that. This is great. That probably is your gift. And then you'll start seeing fruit from it. So the, the main thing is to know, here's uh, to remove the ignorance, is to know if you're a Christian, you've been given a gift for the body of Christ. So in a a way, you're God's gift to the body of Christ. And to use that gift then is to build up the body of Christ. Now notice something interesting in in 1 Peter that will really blow you away, It blows me away at least. He says, these gifts that we've received, were to minister it to one another as good stewards of the what? The manifold grace of God. So what is your gift? So your, your gift that God has given you, and it's a gift which means He gave it to you for free, and it's really great, it's not a white elephant gift, It's because he loves you so much. He's like, I'm going to give you that gift and I can't wait to see you use that gift. And I can't wait to see you blessed by using that gift. But he says the gift is the manifold grace of God. What does that mean? Manifold means multifaceted, multicolored, something that is has so many dimensions and so many facets to it. So you can think of the way I like to think of it is like a diamond. So he's saying when the ultimate display of God's grace was on the cross. That's where you and I go to understand and know the love of Christ towards us. So He demonstrated His love for us. That's where He demonstrated it, fully and completely. So if we think about the cross, that's the whole diamond. That's the whole 100% of God's grace towards man. No human being could handle... 100% of that grace. So He's given us a little bit, and He's given a whole bunch of people a little bit of that grace so that when we're together, we experience in a more full sense the grace of Jesus that was on display at the cross. That's why the body of Christ is so important. Because our growth in God has much to do with other people. Because when you greeted somebody, maybe you talked to two or three different people. I don't know. But each one, you get to understand a a different part of God's grace. Because each one of us uniquely manifests that through our personality and through the gift mix that we each have. So when we encounter each other, that's why it's so important and so counter to what God has for us when we're in the flesh or when we're isolating because our exercising of ourself in the giftedness of God then allows other people to know God better because we're seeing him at a different angle or understanding him how he works through somebody else's life and that that's that's the fun thing of, about being a part of a body of Christ and that's also the hard thing is when somebody is living in the flesh when they're carnal Because then it becomes a complete opposite of building up the body of Christ. It becomes very discouraging. And it it can put a wet blanket on the things of God and the working of God. And there's a lot of discussion and talk of, how come we don't see the miracles like we see in the Bible? How come we don't see some of those things? There might be a lot of different reasons, but... I do think that we would see more if we would allow God to use us and we would submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to God appropriately. I believe we would see more of the power and the working of the Holy Spirit because the Bible tells us we can quench the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit. So there are things that we can do that will actually cause us to be fleshly. And we don't want a church that's just carnal, fleshly people because that's a dead, unfruitful church. And let's face it, we're all human. None of us are always walking in the Spirit. But I do believe and think as we prioritize God in our life, that He will have more control over our life, that we will be walking in the Spirit. And that is absolutely necessary for a church to survive and flourish and fulfill the purposes that God has for our church. So, like Paul, a, a pastor or a leader or somebody... And they can say these things till they're blue in the face, but at some point we all have to say, I'm going to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And we can even ask to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when it says that, it means to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we think about that, a lot of times we think, oh, I hope God pours more in me. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means that God will have more control over me. Because when we get saved, we have the full Holy Spirit. We're completely indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't just get a little bit, and then as we go and get more mature in our faith, He puts a little bit more in. We have a full tank. But if we have a full tank, we have to then decide not to be led by the flesh, but then surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit. And we will start to experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just going to finish right here, but the Bible does tell us that it's possible to have an experience with the Holy Spirit after we've been saved what some people call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that means an empowering of the Holy Spirit for service. This is what I believe Jesus was referring to when He would talk about living water will flow from you. Empowering torrents of living water. And I believe that's what we need. I believe that's what I need. I believe that's what our fellowship needs. We are going to have quite a ride in 2024. It's going to be crazy. And God keeps telling me, don't listen to all the noise, but follow the Holy Spirit. And I think that is absolutely vital for our church. Don't allow the things of the world to get us all caught up in the flesh. Because that's what Satan wants. As we surrender our life to the empowering of the Holy Spirit, God will bring about much fruit in your life and in this body. And the Bible tells us churches are going to be drying up They're going to be stale and dead and worldly. And we can't let that happen here. And so let's pray and ask that what we just talked about, that that we would just surrender ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign over our life. Sound good? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. And as we sit here today, Lord, we know that there is a sovereign plan that is being worked out, and that has been working, working out. And Lord, we don't know how close we are, but it sure seems like we are close. And it's not wrong to think that. And you tell us to look up for our redemption draws near. You tell us to live in such a way where we're waiting for your return, but not in a way, Lord, where we're not doing anything, but just the opposite, where we're active in our faith because we believe you are coming soon. And so as we pray, Lord, come quickly, Maranatha, at the same time we pray, That if it's 100,000 more years that our lives would make a difference in our time. That it would mean fruit from our labor. And we know the only way that can happen is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so as a church body, we ask for that now. We pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that As we do that, we would be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Fill us to the full with your love. Strengthen us in our inner persons that we may know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Be with Pastor Brian. Be with the Armenians. Be with the Jews And be with those also who are Muslim, who don't know you. Turn them to you now, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great night. I'm glad you guys came. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday.